It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on into Locked On Cougars. I'm Jay Catch, your host here on this daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. Thanks again for joining me on today's edition of the show, December 31st edition, year-end edition of the podcast, and finishing out our first year. We weren't on for the full year in 2018, but finishing out our first year with the podcast existence, getting ready for 2019, and very excited for that. Rundown of today's show, we're talking about BYU basketball and their issues after their latest 103-81 loss at Mississippi State on Saturday. We'll look at what options the Cougars have as they look to get back into shape ahead of West Coast Conference play starting this weekend. We'll also update you on former Cougars and the pros. Week 17, the regular season for the NFL wrapping up. A number of Cougars will be playing on into the postseason while the numbers have seen while a number have seen their season end. We'll update you on them. And of course, we'll wrap up the show with everything else we haven't touched on with quick hits. Thanks again for joining me. I'm Jay Catch here on this daily podcast. You can tell your podcast catcher play locked on cougars it'll find it right there for your smartphone your smart speaker they all have the capability of you just saying hey play podcast locked on cougars and it'll take care of finding this podcast for you thanks again for joining me let's get going this is locked on cougars for december 31st 2018 As I noted in the open to the show, BYU basketball lost 103 to 81 to number 19 Mississippi State on Saturday. Uh, this was a game that early on for about 11 minutes, BYU hung tough with Mississippi State. It was tied. Then Mississippi State opened on a 13-0 run after about that 10-minute mark of the first half. And from then on, BYU was playing from behind. It was never able to rally at all. Tough loss for the Cougars, their second three-game losing streak now as they have lost three straight games in the last three weeks to UNLV in overtime, San Diego State, and now Mississippi State. The Cougars now turn their attention to West Coast Conference play in a new and improved West Coast Conference, a much improved West Coast Conference is what I should say. Going to have some tough games come up in this conference schedule from teams that BYU fans may not realize have improved as much as they will. Uh, Coming up later this week, probably Wednesday's edition, We'll do a preview of West Coast Conference play for BYU. Tell you about some of the teams you may want to note as a BYU fan that are improved this year and could give BYU some issues when it comes to the matchups in conference play. The Cougars have two games to open up conference play this weekend, both on the road in Northern California. They'll open up on Thursday night at Pacific at 9 o'clock Mountain Time tip on ESPNU. They'll follow that up with another 9 o'clock Mountain Time tip on Saturday at at St. Mary's in Moraga. That game will be on ESPN2. So two nationally televised games to kick off West Coast Conference play for the Cougars. 
but they got to figure some things out. Uh, Steve Cleveland is a regular guest on the radio show that I am a producer for weekdays on the Zone Sports Network. He joins David James and Patrick Kinahan each week. And, of course, Steve Cleveland, being a former BYU basketball coach, he knows more about basketball than I will ever know. And he talked about some of the issues he saw from BYU in their latest loss to Mississippi State, as well as just some of the overall issues for the Cougars. So I wanted to play this clip from this interview, and you can go to 1280 thezone.com and hear the full interview. He had some great thoughts on the Cougars entering West Coast Conference play, etc. But I wanted to play this clip. It's about three minutes long here, but David James asked Steve Cleveland about BYU's issues, what uh, he need, what needs to change for the Cougars, and if they're vulnerable right now as they get ready for West Coast Conference play. Here was Steve Cleveland's response. They are vulnerable. If they defend like that, and I you know, I, I watched them play some zone uh, against Mississippi State, and I think, you know, sometimes changing defenses, doing some different things, and, and in the past, the 1-3-1 and, that they've used. But here, here, here lies the problem. Whether you're in man-to-man or you're in, one, three, or you're in a 1-3-1 zone, if you get beat off the dribble, it doesn't matter what defense you're in. And it doesn't really matter how hard you play because at some point in time, somebody's going to have two feet squared and have a wide-open shot. And I think that's been the biggest thing as I've watched is that, uh, that they just can't contain the ball. And, and, and they lose track. And it was numerous times against Mississippi State where in transition, after makes, after makes, where they were getting beat on the ball up the floor. And that loss of vision, no contact, just not that physicality that you need to do where there's an accountability every possession in every single possession, and they just haven't had that uh, that that accountability. And, and to be honest with you, and I, I mentioned this maybe one other time a few weeks ago, but there has to be some leadership on that floor. And I, I think that some of your guys, you know, Haas and Celius and Cannon, they're they're, they're guys that they rely on. Uh, you know, Nick Emery, who probably is their best, Ian Hart and. Uh, Jasheer Hartnett are probably the two best on-the-ball defenders, though Nick is really struggling. But guys that are playing a lot of minutes are having a hard time stopping the ball. And no matter what you do, no matter what your scheme, and even now, no matter how hard you play, if you can't contain the dribble, you're going to be in trouble. And you're going to allow teams to get open shots, get more confidence. And then, you know, you know how it goes. Once you make two or three of those things, the basket starts looking like the ocean, whether it's on the road or at home. And teams don't typically play as better, play as well at BYU. It's a harder place to play for a lot of these schools that are playing in smaller uh, arenas where there's only two or three thousand people. But they're not guarding, and they got to rebound as well. You just got to get bodies on bodies, and there was just there was so much space defensively on the ball, uh, and then the off the ball help guys getting beat back door. You know, the thing that unnerved me, and it, it happens to all of us as coaches, is that. We oftentimes had to get three guys back against good teams. Instead, of, we just sent two people to the boards and put three back because I did not want to give up anything in transition. And they've given up a lot of transition baskets flying to the boards and just guys losing vision of where their man is and giving up easy baskets, which when games are kind of close. And that BYU-Mississippi State game, first 10 minutes was a really close game, and all of a sudden there was separation, and then there were breakdowns, and then there were quick shots long rebounds and defensive transition was uh, it was a struggle all night for him 
There you go. Steve Cleveland on with David James and Patrick Kinahan on the Zone Sports Network. Appreciate uh, them letting me use that audio here on the podcast. But you heard Steve Cleveland say they are vulnerable entering West Coast Conference play. And he said it doesn't matter what defense BYU is playing in the 1-3-1 zone, the 2-3 zone, the 3-2 zone. Uh, you could do a box and one. You can go man-to-man. But he said if you cannot contain the, tr- the dribble, which BYU just can't, they've struggled with it throughout this uh, non-conference schedule it's going to be an issue for the Cougars and it it really has bit them at least in the last three weeks dribble drive penetration was an issue BYU faced uh, two years ago when they were giving up astronomically high numbers BYU in their five true road games this year is giving up an average of 97 points on the road turnovers have been an issue you heard Steve Cleveland talk about that as well and BYU basketball, not in a good spot right now, and they got to figure something out because, like I said, the West Coast Conference is an improved league, and BYU is going to find themselves in a lot more dogfights, I think, during conference season than they probably thought or BYU fans expect or think entering conference play. And if you can't stop the dribble drive penetration, it makes it real easy for an offense to get points because once that penetration happens, your defense has to collapse to stop the dribbler. And that leaves guys wide open for threes, opens up cuts to the basket for easy twos. It's just a tough time for BYU to stop anything right now. So they've got to figure it out, and they got to figure it out quickly. Two big games this weekend. Pacific under Damon Stoudemire was much improved last year. Uh, kind of one of the teams that's been overlooked. Not quite as hot of a start this year for Pacific, but they gave BYU fits at points last year in the games they played. And, of course, St. Mary's going to Moraga, playing in the McKeon Pavilion, has been a house of horrors for the Cougars ever since they joined the West Coast Conference. So tough week ahead for the Cougars. We'll preview more about the West Coast Conference coming up on Wednesday's edition of the show. But I want to get you some thoughts from a guy who knows more about basketball than I do in Steve Cleveland. All right, we will step aside here. We'll come back, talk about former Cougars in the pros. Week 17, the regular season for the NFL is in the books. How did the former BYU players perform over the weekend? A number number of them had some big games. Uh, Three guys getting into the end zone. We'll talk about those guys next coming up on the podcast. Before we do that, though, do need to tell you about today's sponsor on the show and that is our good friends at sling tv when you want to watch the game and you might not have the channel you want to find them on let's say you don't have espnu sling tv is your best option to catch the cougars this thursday night when they take on pacific for just 30 dollars a month you get all of the espn networks pac-12 networks sec network and more for all of your college sports needs byu cougars needs as well You can stream it on Sling TV uh, across your big screen and all of your favorite devices. Take it with you on their mobile app, which is awesome. Sling TV's motto is it gives you the live TV you love, only better. There are no useless channels. This is not a cable bundle. You pick the channel lineup you want with Sling TV. There's no long-term contracts, no hidden fees. You know exactly what you're paying for. That channel lineup right up front, and of course, you can cancel it any time. If you want to see if it's the right option for you, you can check it out. Sling.com slash locked on. You'll get a seven-day free trial you can cancel it at any point and if you don't like it you move on check out something else but sling.com slash locked on a seven-day free trial to see if it's the right option for you once again sling.com slash locked on check it out guys sling tv might be the right bet for you and your college sports needs 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Locked on Cougars, and we are your daily source for all things BYU news, notes, and insider information you can't find anywhere else. Proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and the best part about it is, is modern technology is a marvel, and it allows you just to say, "Hey Siri," or whatever your smartphone is. If you use a Google phone, Android, just say, "Hey, play podcast Locked On Cougars." Tell your smart speakers to do the same thing, and you'll find this podcast right there for you. Thanks again for joining me on this, this December thirty first edition of the show. It is Black Monday in the NFL. Eight NFL coaches have lost their jobs, and of course that could always expand. But former BYU players and the pros, the nice part is their contracts carry them through the regular season, and most of them have contracts beyond that. But we're going to be recapping how these former Cougars did in Week 17, the regular season finales for their teams, a number of them moving on to the playoffs, and we'll note that as well as we roll through this. Let's start off with Michael Davis, the cornerback for the Los Angeles Chargers. He started once again in their 23-9 win over Denver. He had a season-high nine tackles, six of them solo and two passes defended. He played all 100% of their defensive snaps, 79 in the game. Awesome to see Michael Davis continuing to flourish as a starter. Nine games as a starter this year for the Chargers. They'll be getting ready for the playoffs. They are the fifth seed in the AFC playoffs facing the Baltimore Ravens this weekend. John Denny, his Ironman streak continued as the long snapper for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Likely, if he plays next, he'll be playing for a new head coach as Adam Gaze was fired today. He came on as a substitute in their 42-17 loss to Buffalo. Played eight snaps, a long snapper on all of their kicking opportunities, recorded no stats. Uh, He's played all 16 games as a substitute this year, the starting long snapper for Miami. Hats off to John Denny. His career just continues to get it done. He's now 40 years old, and it's just awesome to see what he is doing. A couple other notes for you. Taysom Hill, he was listed as the starting tight end in New Orleans, 33-14 loss to Carolina. Of course, New Orleans is the top seed in the NFC playoffs. They have a first round round bye this weekend. But Taysom had a good game. He got a touchdown, a nine-yard run, and also had a three-yard reception in the game. He played eight snaps on offense, so his efficiency in terms of scoring a touchdown was awesome to see. So congratulations to him. It is officially his fourth game as a starter, being listed as the starting tight end in the game. But it's cool to see Taysom Hill continue to do some things. I saw some people talking about, hey, Uh, I know they used Taysom Hill in some unique packages this year for the Saints. What do they have dreamed up for the playoffs? I'm excited to see because I think that the coaching staff in New Orleans sees him as a weapon. They've called him the Swiss Army Knife. Every time he's in a game, you can see all of the hype he gets from the announcers just because of his versatility and his ability to play multiple positions. 
just cool to see. So congratulations to Taysom Hill. Enjoy the week off and get ready for the second round of the playoffs. Uh, Bronson Kafusi was back in action this week after being inactive a week ago in the New York Jets 38-3 loss to New England. Of course, Todd Bowles, the head coach in New York, was fired yesterday after the game. But Bronson recorded his first out of the season with a pass breakup. He also had a muffed kickoff return, which he recovered for zero yards. He played 14 snaps on defense and 13 on special teams in the game. He's played three games as a substitute this year and has one pass break officially for his stat stat tracker this year. Interesting to see what Bronson's future holds in the NFL, and in particular if he ends up staying with the New York Jets. It'll be interesting to see if he's able to latch on there with the new coaching staff coming in. Kyle Van Noy also got in the end zone yesterday in that 38-3 win over the New York Jets. He had three assisted tackles, one quarterback hurry, and then a fumble recovery. He returned for 46 yards and a touchdown. He played almost every snap on defense. Van Noy and New England also have a bye this weekend as they are the number two seed in the AFC playoffs. But cool to see Van Noy get into the end zone. He was having a good time with it. He was all over social media with his thoughts on it. So congratulations to him. I believe it's his second time scoring this year. He had the blocked punt that he returned for a touchdown earlier this season as well. Daniel Sorensen started at safety for Kansas City in their 35-3 win over Oakland, which clinched the Chiefs the number one overall seed in the AFC playoffs. Of course, Andy Reid, a BYU alum, the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. Sorensen finished the game with one solo tackle, one assisted tackle, one pass breakup, and then one interception that he returned 54 yards for a touchdown. It was cool to see him get that opportunity to play at a high level. Of course, getting a start once again as third of the season. He's played four overall this year after coming back from an injury in training camp. He'll be a big part of the Chiefs defense heading into the playoffs here as they look to make a run to the Super Bowl. I'm interested to see how Kansas City does. I know this is not an NFL podcast. We have two of those here on the network that you can check out. But Daniel Sorensen and the Chiefs defense, big time question mark for the Chiefs as the number one seed in the AFC coming up. But they get the weekend off this weekend. Uh, Fred Warner with the San Francisco 49ers. He started once again in their 48-32 loss to the LA Rams to finish out their year. Warner had a big game though. Nine solo tackles, five assisted tackles for a season and career-high 14 total tackles. He played 93% of the snaps on defense. Um, He is now in the NFL in terms of total tackles. He's 12th overall. Uh, Cool to see Fred Warner continuing to get it done. He started all 16 games this year finished the season with over 120 tackles on the year, 83 of them solo. A great first year for Fred Warner. The Niners struggled with injuries, but he was able to stay healthy and it looks like he is a mainstay on this defense going forward. Jamal Williams started running back once again in a 31-0 shutout loss to Detroit. He carried the ball eight times for just four yards, added three pass receptions for 16 yards. Tough day overall for Green Bay as they look for a new coach as well. Well, uh, he had eight games as a starter this year, eight of them as a substitute. Good to see Jamal stay healthy this year. He finishes the season with 121 carries for 464 yards and three touchdowns. He added 27 receptions for 110 yards, as well as four kickoff returns for 96 yards. So Jamal Williams, also another player, will be looking to prove himself with a new coach coming in to coach the Green Bay Packers next year. I expect 
he'll be part of their roster because I think he's proven his versatility and his ability are assets to whatever franchise he's playing for. Now, as we wrap up the regular season, I wanted to update you on some other players that probably have an opportunity going forward. Uh, in the offseason, they'll be signed to those what they call the futures contracts, where it ties them to a team for the offseason heading into training camp. Let's run down some of those names. Ezekiel Ansaw, of course, was placed on injured reserve uh, with the Detroit Lions, likely ending his tenure with Detroit. He's going to be a guy that's going to be pursued in free agency. We'll see how much money he ultimately is able to collect as a result of his free agency. But injured reserve, a tough final year, hasn't necessarily been healthy for an entire season since he went to the Pro Bowl, I believe, in 2014. But I'm interested to see where Ziggy ends up next year. Other players to keep an eye on this offseason. Harvey Longy. He was on the practice squad for the New York Jets. If you see him on social media, he's been very active and outspoken about uh, the cookies he's made for the team. Um, He actually is going to be a guy that's going to be interesting to see if, with a new coaching staff, if he gets an opportunity to move up to the active roster. Of course, spent time previously with the New England Patriots as well. Tomasi Laulile spent the majority of the season on the New Orleans Saints practice squad. He's been a mainstay down there. I don't expect him to get called up during the playoffs, but he'll have an opportunity this offseason to prove his ability to the coaching staff there and see if he's able to end up moving up to the active roster at some point. Two other guys to note here is Kainakua. He has bounced around multiple practice squads this year, most recently with the Carolina Panthers, which he was signed to on December 5th. This offseason will be a big opportunity for Kainakua to prove his ability if he's going to stay in the NFL long term or it could spell the end of his NFL run. I know with the Alliance of American Football, they're signing all kinds of guys to contracts right now, and I wouldn't be surprised to see a guy like kind of cool get an opportunity if he decides his time in the NFL is done or if it's decided for him. And then finally, uh, DeAndre Wesley, an offensive tackle, uh, he has spent time on multiple practice squads this year as well. He was signed to the Indianapolis Colts and added to the practice squad. They released him and then re-signed him on December 5th to that practice squad. So DeAndre will have an opportunity this offseason with the Colts to prove his ability. Of course, the Colts making the playoffs was a big time showing. Uh, one of the few teams that has made the playoffs after a 1-5 start to a season. So here's hoping that DeAndre Wesley gets an opportunity. And of course, we'll look forward for the rest of the year and see what players end up playing in this Alliance of American Football. I'm hoping to have somebody from that team on to talk about the BYU guys that have signed there and their hopes to get more BYU guys on that roster ahead of their season starting after the Super Bowl in February. But it's an opportunity for guys to prove their ability and then get out there and play. And it'd be cool to see guys like a Jordan Leslie, Jonah Trinaman, Micah Hanneman, Algie Brown. I know that um, they've already signed Handsome Tanielu to that roster. See them get an opportunity opportunity to play and see if it opens up new opportunities in the NFL for them. All right, there's some long-winded thoughts on the NFL with the regular season uh, coming to a close. We'll be tracking the guys who are in the playoffs throughout the run that they have in the playoffs. Here's hoping we see one or two guys at least in the Super Bowl this year and have an opportunity to add a Super Bowl ring. All right, we will step aside here. We'll come back, wrap up today's show with quick hits. Need to get to some notes on the BYU women's basketball front as well as some other news and notes when it comes to recruiting, etc. So that's all coming up in Quick Hits next, right here on Locked on Cougars. The NCAA tournament is almost here. 
and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Cougars, your daily source for all things BYU news. Of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network in America. As we wrap up this December 31st edition of the show, wanted to update you on BYU women's basketball. They opened up West Coast Conference play with a 54-44 win over Santa Clara Saturday. A good win for the Cougars. Um, I won't name the names, but there are two media members, and we're talking, this is back in October before the season tipped off, talking about BYU women's basketball. Don't ask me how we got on the conversation, but there was a bet or friendly wager placed between these two media members about the number of wins over under the BYU women's basketball will be able to garner this year uh, with the expectation they might struggle a little bit. And if I'm not mistaken, the over under final number was set at 12 games. Well, BYU already is at 9-3 this year. It's been an incredible job done by Jeff Judkins and his staff for a team that I think wasn't much expected of them, but the one media member is probably going to be owing another media member lunch, I think, is what the wager was, or maybe dinner, because at nine wins with West Coast Conference play just beginning, I'm expecting BYU likely is over that 12-win mark. I thought it was a kind of a funny note looking at that record and thinking back to that conversation. So congratulations to, to the women's basketball team. Uh, they'll be getting ready for more West Coast Conference games this weekend. They'll be um, taking on the Dons of San Francisco today actually at 4 o'clock Mountain Time. That game can be viewed on the W.TV if you want to check out some BYU action this afternoon. Alright, and then one final note before we go. I just want to take a minute and thank you guys for the support in 2018. We started this podcast late in fall camp, kind of the mid to late part of August. We are now 94 episodes in. It has been an absolute privilege and an honor to bring this podcast to you guys. I know I got some BYU fans irked a little bit over the weekend with some power rankings that I wrote up and had BYU among the worst teams in the state. That was more of a reflection of just Saturday's results. But I want really want to thank you guys for taking the time each and every day to support the podcast. You guys do reach out. It's awesome to chat with you guys about BYU topics here and there. You can follow me on Twitter if you so desire at Jacob C. Hatch. I weigh in on a lot more than just BYU on that Twitter feed, but our Locked On Cougars feed, both on Facebook and BYU, is all things Cougars all the time, like this podcast is. So I just really want to thank you guys. It's been an awesome, awesome experience bringing this podcast to you each and every day. 2019 is upon us tomorrow. We're going to have a New Year's resolutions edition of the show. If you have some New Year's resolutions, send them to me on Twitter, at Jacob C. Hatch or at Locked On Cougars on Twitter. You can do the same on Facebook. And let me know what you think. The resolutions you want to see BYU football, BYU basketball, maybe the athletic department, Tom Homo as a whole. Their resolutions that they should take on, in your opinion. Let me know what you want, and we'll make sure to work those into the podcast tomorrow. It'll be kind of a fun, special edition with New Year's upon us. Once again, thanks for your continued support of the podcast. We will talk to you guys tomorrow. 
This has been Locked On Cougars for December 31st, 2018. tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket so don't wait find locked on college basketball on youtube or wherever you get your podcasts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day